we are so thankful that even while we're far from you, even while we still choose to do what we want to do, actively running away from you, that you still call us your children. You sent your son Jesus to die on the cross, put your name on us, adopt us, invite us into your family. And Jesus, we are just so thankful that that's the identity that we have as beloved sons and daughters of the King. Jesus, we already know that you are in this place. We already know that you're moving. We already know that you're speaking. We know that you're up to something great. So Jesus, we just say the posture of our hearts right now is to allow you to speak, allow you to do what you will, and that our response is to say yes to you. We love you this morning. Amen. You guys may be seated. Well, good morning. Oh, come on. Good morning. Good to have you with us. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 1 over in the New Testament. And if you don't have a Bible with you or you have no idea who John is or where to find him, uh, we'll show the scripture reading in just a moment on the side screens. Uh, but while you're finding that, I just want to say welcome uh, to everybody. Hey, we have something very, 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 very special coming up here in just a couple weeks. Uh, we're going to have a service where we have some baptisms, some folks being baptized. And uh, if you want to be baptized, if you are a follower of Christ and uh, you have not yet been baptized, that is a very, very important part of your faith journey. Um, it, it's, uh, it, it's your testimony to the world that you have chosen to follow Christ. Um, but if you are a Christian, you're a follower of Christ, and, you, and you've not done that yet, I would love, we have a kiosk, actually, I think it's the one closest to the door as you leave. Um, they would be happy to tell you more about it, or to get you signed up, or to get you more information, or uh, whatever you need. Also, hey, I want a, a great big amen uh, to what's going on tonight at 5 o'clock. What is it for college age? College age. Woo, woo. I ain't missing that party. I'm not college age, but I'm going to be here. Um, seriously, can't wait to have you college age folks come, bring friends that are college age. Man, we love just pack this place out. There's lots of prizes and good times to be had by all. Uh, just a couple nights ago, we had... Uh, our Legacy Lifers. If you don't know what our Legacy Life group is, Legacy Lifers are, I don't know if we put a real definitive definition to it, but basically it's for folks that are 50 and older, um, folks who are empty nesters, um, you know, just all along those lines. Man, we have a phenomenal Legacy Life group. Actually, they had a big old bonfire and hayride on Friday night. I wasn't able to be there. Um, but I heard it was awesome, and if you are in that age group or older and looking for a way to get connected, man, let us know. We have great stuff going on. It's just all kinds of fun going on around here, right? And you get to hear me preach. Well, we love comeback stories. 
we love to read about them in books or watch them on in movies or we see them occasionally in news reports or whatever the case may be but we love the stories where people have fallen to the lowest state of desperation and then somehow something happens that it gets turned around and they become more successful than ever. They, it's like they get this, this comeback. It's this, what we're talking about this morning, it's a, a chance for a redo, right? Uh, a few of you know my dad. My dad is us kids, we kids, us kids, whoever, however you would say it. We're growing up. My dad was never, ever one to sit around and watch sports on TV. Never, not a zip. None of it. But there was one guy that changed that for him uh, by the name of Michael Jordan. LeBron who? No. Michael Jordan. Some way, somehow, my dad fell in love with watching Michael Jordan play basketball and that team of guys, um, even to the point to where one time he even took a trip to Cleveland to watch Michael Jordan play in person. Again, if you don't know my dad, this isn't a very impressive illustration, but if you know my dad, this is like, wow, that's a, that's a big deal for him to make a trip to Cleveland to watch a basketball player. Um, before becoming the best player in the history of basketball, LeBron who? Uh, Michael Jordan was a five foot 11 aspiring basketball player, a sophomore who was rejected by the varsity basketball team in high school. But according to Jordan, failure was an eventual part of the success. Michael Jordan led the, the Chicago Bulls to six NBA championships. Um, he was most valuable player five different times. Michael Jordan says he has missed more than 9,000 shots for the basket. He's missed more than 9,000. He's lost almost 300 games. Michael Jordan says, I have failed over and over and over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. Now, there's all kinds of stories about people who got a second chance. They had a, good, a great comeback. They, they have a redo, uh, a chance to start over, and they've gone to great success. And as inspiring as some of those stories are, I want to talk to you about another kind of redo this morning. It's, it's what you might refer to as a spiritual redo. Uh, I, I, I want to talk about people who have made great comebacks, spiritually speaking, because whether you realize it or not, that is a major theme in Scripture. Uh, the Bible is filled with examples of how God has graciously given people a redo, a new beginning, a new birth, a second chance, right? And in the midst of me preaching on all the other stuff that I preach on throughout a given year, relationships and possessions and spiritual growth, um, you remember what I talked about last Sunday? Yeah, okay. 
Impressive. Um, last Sunday I talked about um, do the things that break the heart of God break your heart? Is it coming back? Um, before that we spent a number of weeks on understanding God's will for your life and what that looks like. Before that we talked about the necessity of reconciliation. And I preach on all these things throughout any given year, but I never, in the midst of my preaching and standing up here on a Sunday morning, I never want to lose sight of the fact that without God, people are lost and bound for hell and they need a Savior. I never want to forget that people have strayed from God and they need a redo, they need a second chance, and I want to be faithful in preaching that God loves them and that God offers them a redo. One of our core values is purposefully Hope is our message. This is a message of hope. We can go all the way back to the first book in the Bible, the book of Genesis, where we read about the account of Adam and Eve, and God had given Adam and Eve some specific instructions to live by. Adam and Eve violated those instructions. Um, at that point, God justly could have wiped them out, obliterated them, uh, for their wrongdoing. Um, he doesn't do that. He casts them out of the garden. There's other consequences um, for their sin. Can I just say, this isn't part of the sermon, but can I say there's always consequences to sin. It always leads to de death and destruction. There is nothing good that comes from sin. But Adam and Eve had sinned, but God gave them a chance for a redo. And fortunately, all of their descendants, which is everyone sitting in this room. We could read about King David. King David had committed adultery. He arranged for the husband of his mistress, mistress to be killed in battle. Uh, David, long story short, sincerely sought for forgiveness and, and God gave David a redo. We could read about Jonah. Jonah was sent by God on a mission to the residence of Nineveh. And, and to tell them that God was literally going to destroy the city of Nineveh if they didn't change their depraved lifestyles. Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. There's a lot to this story. The Ninevites were terrible, awful, horrible, wicked, mean people. And he just, he wanted them to be obliterated. And he didn't want to lose his life in the midst of telling them and so Jonah runs in the opposite direction of God's assignment. Um, in a very unusual way, uh, God turned, back, turned Jonah back around, uh, gave Jonah a chance, a, a, a second chance, a redo to fulfill his mission. Jonah fulfills the mission. 120,000 residents of Nineveh uh, changed their lifestyles, changed their depraved ways, and God didn't destroy their city. He gave them a redo, right? There's all kinds of these stories. In the Gospel of John, we read about how the authorities brought a woman to Jesus who had committed adultery. The authorities knew exactly what was supposed to happen according to the law. She was supposed to be stoned to death. Uh, she was supposed to be brutally murdered for this sin. And they sought that out, but short long story short Jesus gives this woman a redo an, another chance 
Uh, Jesus himself tells the story about a young man who took his share of the father's inheritance prematurely. That father had worked so hard to accumulate that. The boy should have gotten it it later on in life, but the one son takes it prematurely. Uh, The story goes that he travels to a far-off country. He's out wasting his inheritance on partying and riotous living and prostitutes and all this stuff. He literally ends up living with pigs, eating with pigs on a farm. When he comes to his senses uh, and his eyes are open, he makes the decision to go back home and just be accepted any way he can, even if it's as a servant or whatever. When he gets back home, his dad doesn't stand on the porch and point his finger and say, I told you so, but his dad welcomes him with open arms and an embrace of love. And, and Jesus tells this story about this prodigal son getting a redo, a second chance. If, if we were to gather the cliff notes and read the cliff notes of, of the Bible to look at the overall theme, it would be that God offers a redo, a second chance, a new birth. What the Old Testament foreshadowed, what the New Testament fulfilled, is that Jesus willingly, willingly went to his death to pay the debt that you and I have accumulated because of our sin. And he did that because he didn't want us to pay, have to pay that debt ourselves because that would have meant For each one of us to be separated from God forever and for always and for all eternity. And that's not what God wants. What he wants is to have a fulfilling relationship with you that would begin now and it would last throughout all of eternity. And so God was willing to wipe the slate clean, not, not because we deserve it, but because he loves you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to have a, a second chance, a redo. So, so the question is, how, how do we get this redo? Well, John tells us in our key verse here, John chapter 1, verse 12, yet to all who did receive him. Now, I love it because it doesn't say to all who grew up in the church of the Nazarene, Right? It doesn't say to all who seem to have it all together. It doesn't say to all who have plenty of wealth or to all who are not. It just says, yet to all who did receive him, to those he believed in his name, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. God offers you a redo. Right? Um, if you come to him and admit that you've messed up and that you need a redo and that you're lost and and, and when you say, you know, so many of us can say, man, I've been violating all of my own standards and rules and laws and safety guidelines in life. I can't imagine it violating what that looks like according to God's standards and guidelines that are so much greater. And yet God comes to you and says, man, if you'll just confess and if you'll just receive my gift of salvation, I am here for you. This gift is here for you. And you can open up your heart and say, God, I, 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 want, I want this. And he promises to give it to you this morning. <clears throat> Some of you have heard this illustration maybe. Other religions are spelled do, D-O. Do this and you can earn your way into a right relationship with God. 
do this, you can earn your way into heaven. Christianity is spelled done, D-O-N-E. It's done. Everything has been completed. Everything that has been done because of what Jesus Christ did for you on an old rugged cross, the work has been done. Salvation is available to you right here, right now, today. And because of that, you can have a relationship with God. Now, as I talk about that, I realize that there are a few possible responses to being offered a redo. Um, there may be some under the sound of my voice that think that the idea of needing a redo is beneath you. You don't need a redo in your mind. You're very self-reliant. Um, you're doing just fine on your own. Some of us grew up in a setting where people who are self-reliant are almost idolized. I, I think of it, I grew up loving to watch westerns. My, my favorite guy, John Wayne, the Duke, right? Amen. Eh, wow, impressive. <laughs> I got an amen this morning. Talking about the Duke. I'll talk about him more. Um, but there's kind of what I would refer to as kind of this John Wayne mentality. I mean, John Wayne, buddy, he could take care of himself. He could pull himself up by his own bootstraps. He didn't need it. At the end of the day, he didn't need anyone. He, he, was, he was the man, right, on all these movies. And, and sometimes we get that in our mind that we are self-reliant. We, we don't need anybody else. It, it makes me think of the millionaire who was a really self-reliant guy, and he made this statement. He said, I was born in the log cabin that I built with my own hands. That's a pretty self-reliant guy. So the question is, do you view yourself as a man or a self-made man or woman? There are serious problems with this self-made image theory. You know, if, if your pride, your ego, your arrogance, your insecurity, your ignorance keeps you from recognizing the contributions of others in your life or keeps you from understanding your need for others in your life, boy, you need a serious wake-up call this morning. We all want to control our destiny. Some of us are, are reluctant to rely on anybody else because in the past we've, we've tried to rely on somebody else and they hurt us and they let us down and so we don't want to do that. Or maybe we don't want to rely on other people because of our pride. But whatever the source of self-reliance, it can carry into your spiritual life as well. But sooner or later, when you live long enough and it doesn't take too long, um, you realize that there are things that can have an incredible impact on our lives over which we have zero control. Things such as economic recessions, being laid off your job, uh, world politics, disease, divorce, and the list goes on. But here's the great news. If you accept this redo that Jesus offers, you no longer have to rely on your own strength, your own power, your own self-reliance. You can be begin to lean into the power of God. Can, can I just say this? I have no idea how people who are not followers of Christ make it through this life. Man, I cannot, I mean, because the Bible clearly teaches we all face pain, we all face desolation, we all face heartache, we all face brokenness. I mean, whether you're a Christian or not, it is a human condition. 
And I have no idea how people go through those situations where they cannot lean into Christ in his strength and in his power. But some people are just so self-reliant. They're just so, they might think of themselves as so sophisticated or whatever that they don't need anybody else. Um, and the question for you is, are, are you willing to humble yourself this morning and go, yes, I need something outside of myself. So some people have the idea that a redo is beneath them. They don't need it. They're good where they're at. Uh, other people might think, well, I know I need a second chance. Other people might be sitting under the sound of my voice going, man, my conscience is torturing me, man. I can't live up to my own standards, let alone to God's holy standards. My life is so messed up. And you might think, I don't deserve a redo. A redo is not available to me. I know I need it, but I don't deserve it. These are the people who are often haunted by their past. Um, they're gripped with guilt over a marital situation. They've consented to an abortion. Maybe their, their, their children are alienated from them because of whatever. Uh, maybe it's been, uh, I don't know, other relationships that have deteriorated because of whatever. Their career has gone down the tubes. tubes. Their, their self-esteem has literally hit rock bottom. And they just don't, they, they're like, I don't, why would God give me a second chance? I don't even deserve one. There was a guy like this in the Bible who understood the depth of failure. His name was Peter. Peter was one of the disciples who walked with Jesus day after day, watched him do miracles, listened to him teach crowds of people. I mean, if there's anyone that should have gotten it right, it was this guy, Peter. But at the time that Jesus needed Peter the most, Peter turns his back on Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times. He denies Christ, right? And when Peter realizes what he had done, the Bible tells us that Peter was broken. It says that he, bitter, he, he wept bitterly. You know, how disappointed he would have been of himself in that moment. In fact, John tells us, that he left it all and he went back to his career as a fisherman. You know, because I can only imagine Peter thinking, how in the world, after the way I've messed up so big, how could Jesus ever use me again? I mean, he, he would have felt, man, I am so far gone beyond a second chance, a redo. Jesus reappears after his resurrection to Peter. says, Peter, do you love me? He asks him that question three times, and finally Peter's like, yes, Lord, you know, you know that I love you. And then Jesus not only gives Peter a redo, but he gives him an assignment. He says, Peter, I want you to be the leader of my church. He gave Peter a redo, a second chance, and then he trusted Peter with a mission that literally was going to change were the world forever and always. A few years later, after that time, this same Peter was writing a letter to a group of Christians. And he said this in 1 Peter chapter 1, he said to this group of Christians, Praise be 
to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us what? Right, he has given us a new birth. We could say he has given us a redo. Peter could have said he's given us a chance for a second go-around. He's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. So Peter says we've been given a new birth, a redo, a, a, a second chance to start over. He was celebrating the fact that even though he didn't deserve it, Jesus gave him one. Why? The only answer that I can think of is because of God's mercy. People who think that a second chance is beyond them need to know that it is beyond our ability to earn a second chance, but it is not beyond God's capacity to give a second chance, a redo. Yeah, Peter messed up big time, but every single one of us have messed up big time as well. And maybe some of us in big obvious ways, others of us in maybe ways that aren't so obvious. But at one point or another, every one of us have turned our backs on Jesus. But the good news is that with Peter, Jesus set the precedent with forgiveness. And just like he forgave Peter, and he used Peter after that, he forgives us if we'll invite him to, if we'll allow him to, and he gives us a mission for our lives. I, uh, I like what my friend, uh, Pastor Daryl Blank, says it this way. He says, there are two categories of people in the world. Only two. One category is those who are Christian. The second category is those who God is calling to become Christian. So there, there may be those here this morning, you feel like a redo is beneath you, you don't need it, you've got it, you're good, life is going great, you don't need God's grace. There may be others of you sitting under the sound of my voice going, yes, I know I need a redo, I, I don't think I deserve one, but I know I need it. But there's a third category of folks here this morning. Um, that category of folks would be all of those of us who at one time or another have received the forgiveness of Jesus Christ in our lives. We've accepted his grace into our lives. That's so amazing. I, I love grace is the love of God shown to the unlovely. Grace is the peace of God given to the restless. Grace is the unmerited favor of God and there are many folks all throughout this room who could stand up and testify to the fact that you are living in that grace in this moment and praise God for his mercy. Right? Well, I, I, I want to talk to that third group for just a minute as we end. All right? The majority of the time has been spent talking to those of you who might need to receive God's grace in your life and become a Christian. I, I've been just kind of thinking through this. And I don't know if I can articulate it well. And I don't know who I'm talking to. I may just be talking to me. But I want to talk to the folks for a moment who have been Christian for some time now. You've been in church maybe your whole life at some point you accepted Christ as your Savior 
Now, this may apply to only me and no one else in that group, but I know there are times that I take God's grace for granted. Not on purpose. Not on purpose. Not with bad intention. But there are times in my life where life just happens and things are moving hard and fast, right? And I forget about the grace of God that he has given me. Could, could I just read a few things to that group for just a minute in case there's anyone else that's there as well that kind of has just been on autopilot and you're taking God's grace for granted? Let me read a couple passages to you. Ephesians chapter 2. As for you, you were, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us, all of us, also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by, here comes the word, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show us the incomparable riches of his, here's that word again, grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Here it is again. For it is by, guess. Yeah. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which is part of our mission statement, right? To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do because of God's grace. Do you ever find yourself as a Christian taking God's grace for granted? Here's another, Ephesians chapter 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for the adoption of sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious Here's that word, grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood for the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the richness of God's grace. Let me read you one more passage. Titus chapter 3. At one time we too were foolish disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. 
I, I sat down in my office this morning and I just kind of got away from the sermon notes for a moment and I thought, I, I got to speak into that for just a moment. It, here, here's the notes. I just penciled some things down this morning right before church started. That, that's scary because that either really goes good or bad. The question is for those of us in group three who are Christian, are we truly living in the grace of God? Or maybe the better way to say it is, are we truly living out of God's grace, out of like it's the source of everything for us? Again, I may be speaking to no one else in this room, maybe just me, but I know sometimes I take God's grace for granted. Can I, can I tell you something? Here's a couple of the things I jotted down. When I'm truly celebrating and realizing the grace of God in my life and not taking it for granted. When I'm truly living in God's grace, you know what? I complain a lot less. When I'm truly living in God's grace, I'm happier. And, and let me tell you, salvation is not about your happiness. That's an American lie. That's not what it's about but it sure makes me happy. When I'm truly living out of God's grace as the, the foundation of my whole world, I'm more generous. I experience a lot less road rage. I can keep my car decal, my new life guard decal on my back window when I'm living in God's grace. I laugh more. When I'm truly living in God's grace, I'm a better spouse, I'm a better parent. When I'm truly living in God's grace and not just taking it for granted, I feel more connected. We all want to feel connected. I don't care who you are. I don't care your background. I don't care your personality type. We all want to feel connected. When I'm truly living in God's grace, I'm more present. Does that make sense? I'm more present just with where I'm at and who I'm with and what's going on. Let me ask you this. Do you have, do you have someone in your life that just flat out gets on your nerves? Don't, don't elbow your neighbor. Did anyone? I do. It's not that I don't love them. I just don't want to have Thanksgiving with them. I don't want to be digging in a ditch beside them. They get on my nerves. You got someone like that? That's not very Christian probably. Um, when I'm truly living in God's grace, God helps me to see that person in a whole different light. The list could go on. But for that group number three, are you, are you, are you really living in, celebrating, living out of God's grace? Or have you just kind of been taking it for granted? just kind of autopilot through life in just a moment I'm going to pray with you but for right now I'm going to ask Ryan and the team to come and just lead us in a song that talks about this grace and I just want you to worship God this morning as he leads us Sing grace, how sweet the 
standing but before we go on and sing any further I have two things I just want to ask you first of all is there anybody here that would like to receive this grace into your life you're not a Christian you you're a good person maybe or maybe you're the person you're going I don't deserve it I've, I've been a horrible person whatever but you know that you've never purposely stepped across that line of faith to receive Jesus Christ into your life and to receive his grace into your life. Boy, that can happen right here, right now, this morning. The work has been done. And I'd love to lead you in a prayer here in just a moment. We had four or five folks in the first service raise their hands, say, that's me. I want to experience God's grace in my life. Is there anyone in this service just right now just would hold your hand up high where I can see it because I want to see who I'm leading, leading in prayer. Is there anyone right now that would say, amen, I see that hand back there. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Anyone else? Amen. Praise the Lord. Anyone else? I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. All right. Here's what we're going to do. First of all, I want to pray for that gentleman. Thank you. Thank you. And I want us all, can we just support him as we pray this prayer together? I want you to repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I come before you now. And I realize that I am lost. And I am broken. And I am sinful. And I need you in my life. I'm not trying to hide it. I'm not trying to rationalize I need this grace in my life. And so Jesus, right now, I confess my sin and I open up my heart to you. And Jesus, I need you in this moment. I invite you into my life and I thank you for the work you have done for me on the old rugged cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can, can I tell you something before we go any further? Yes. All 
of heaven is rejoicing in this moment. This is powerful. Now let me ask the second group, those of you who, who you would find yourself in category three that I talked about. You're Christian. Maybe you've grown up in church your whole life. Who knows? Whatever. But you say, Pastor Troy, I've not on purpose, not intentional, not with bad motives, but I've, I just, the Spirit has checked me this morning and I realize I've been kind of taking God's grace for granted and some of the things you've mentioned and some of the things that weren't even on the list, man, I've been experiencing, you know, some of those things and I, I need, I, I just need God to make His grace so real in my life again so that I can be excited and passionate and be appreciative of it. Is there anyone right now that would raise your hand and say, Pat, and I'm raising my hand. Anyone else raising your hand say, that's me. Amen. 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 People everywhere. Amen. God, make your grace so real to me in my life again. Amen. People everywhere. Amen. Lord, I bring this group of folks before you right now. Lord, help us to see and to understand and to live out and to live within the grace that you have shown us. We don't want Satan to rob us of that joy and that passion and that reality that the work has been done and that if nothing else went right in our lives, we are so incredibly blessed because of your grace. May we live that way. And we thank you, Jesus. We thank you this morning for your grace. We just worship you now in Jesus' name. Ryan, lead us as we continue to worship and sing. Just mind God this morning. The Lord has promised good to me. His word, my hope secures. He As long as life endures, my chains are gone, I've been set free, my God, my Savior has ransomed.
Let's lift our voices. My chains, my chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. life leave today living in the grace that we can only find in Jesus 